this sermon is holiness. This this sermon yes, is this is. huge pearl. And how we respond to it shows whether we're dog, swine, or a child of God. Hello, and welcome to A Year with Jesus. I'm Philip. And I'm Bill. We are reading through the Gospels to learn to think, live, and love like Jesus. This week, we're in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, Bill, when we get into chapter 7, this is a chapter people have some pretty strong feelings about. Yeah, honestly, probably one of the chapters that gets abused the most as far as its misuse in the New Testament. Yeah, so let's look at this well-quoted passage, do not judge so that you will not be judged. What is Jesus teaching his kingdom citizens? Let's see what he's not teaching at first. He's not teaching to require things in others that you do not require of yourself. That seems to be part of the problem here is that there's this judgment where I'm seeing things in people and I'm seeing things that people have to do. You know, you have the magnifying glass on everybody else yeah. and you barely look at yourself. And the purpose really is, is to help your brother, I believe. So he says in verse five, take the log out of your own eye not so that you don't say anything to anybody else, but that so then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, there's a big difference between coming to someone to help them and coming to someone to criticize them. Amen. Amen. And I think part of the problem is criticizing. You don't care about the person's well-being. You don't even really care that much about the person moving forward and growing. The purpose of helping is to help people move along, to help them grow and to help them be made in, in the image of Jesus. So he's immediately shifting the focus again and thinking about our motivation. We saw a lot of that in chapter six. He seems to be carrying that theme forward. We think about his motivation in his preaching. He's going to point out many things that we need to change in our lives, but he always is doing that in a very helpful approach. Absolutely. And I think even as you think about this chapter and how he continues in the sermon, you know, verses 7 through 12, I think is another piece of the text that people love to, to use and love to say things about that maybe sometimes can be a little bit off the wall. What, what, Philip, what is Jesus really hitting at in these verses? When Jesus starts talking to us about being the kind of people who are constantly asking, constantly seeking, constantly knocking, he's setting up for us a desire to pursue mm. him, to pursue truth. It seems to be an echo back to what he's already taught us about prayer so that we would seek and ask and knock, not from those that are politically influential, not from those who are wealthy, but actually to seek and ask and knock from the Father. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think there's a humility required in that. If I'm seeking, if I'm asking, I think particularly if I'm knocking, part of the implication is I'm outside. If I'm asking, it's because I don't know. If I'm seeking, it's because I haven't found yet. And and sometimes if we're so arrogant thinking that we've already arrived, we will never receive from the Father the real blessings that he's seeking to give us. That's right. Each of these terms are significant. When he talks about asking, it seems to be to gain an answer, right? To receive a blessing of some kind. When he talks about seeking, there's this treasure out there. And he's told us in chapter 6 what the real treasure is. But knocking is that I need to enter in. Mm. And so if our prayer life is only focused on what does the Father give me today? What does the Father give me in this life? But our prayers are not directed towards being with the Father Amen. and entering into his family, then we've missed the point. I think you're spot on. I think he continues in that. We both have kids, albeit my kids are significantly younger than yours. But, you know, I, I just think about like if Matthias asked me for a piece of fish and I'm like, well, here's, here's a rock. I'm not a good father. He's like, but, but I think sometimes kids can ask for things that they don't need and that they don't want. You know, if it were up to Matthias, he'd drink chocolate milk for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like that would be his right, meal. Right. And though that's what he may want. As a parent, you understand 
That's not what he needs. And, you know, the father here is discerning between those wants and needs. Mm -hmm. And he's actually setting the example for us to start doing the same thing with the golden rule. Yeah. When we look at the golden rule, the golden rule is not just saying, I need to give to others everything that they might want. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people ask for rocks. Sometimes they're asking for snakes and they don't know that they are. That's right. They're asking for something hurtful. And sometimes we look at the golden rule and we think I should just give to others what I might want. But, you know... My wife doesn't want the same thing for her birthday that I might, right? (laughs) She wants me to shop at a whole different kind of store than an electronics store for her birthday. And so really the golden rule comes back to say, I need to give to others the way the father does. Mm -hmm. I need to give what's good. I need to give what is beneficial for them. It's really back to your theme of helping people. Yeah. And I think especially as as you look at the next next few verses, you see why this is so important, why this is so consequential is because there are two gates. There's this wide gate that he says that everybody's going down. It's not very hard to go down this gate and to find this gate. And this path leads to destruction. But those who are following Jesus have found this narrow gate, which leads to life. And he says, Few have even found it. And so I think there's this sense that like maybe the true application of the golden rule is helping people find this gate that we have found through the scriptures. That's fantastic. Yes. If we really want to treat others the way we want to be treated, it should have an eternal significance here in bringing the greatest blessing of coming in the narrow way. You know, as Jesus transitions here in chapter 7, He's calling for a decision. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be decisive about the narrow or the wide gate. He wants us to be decisive about the teachers that we listen to. He wants us to be decisive about the kind of life we're going to build. Yeah, because again, there are these two gates and who you listen to matters. And And so, you know, you get the whole beware of the false prophets. Why would you listen to a false prophet? Because it seems like people were. What is it about what is it about the false prophets that would have been so alluring in these verses, Philip? Well, it seems like the false prophets are coming in and they look good on an outward level, mm-hmm. right? That things are very attractive, but they are inwardly ravenous wolves, right? There's something here that is actually destroying us rather than blessing us. And we need to look, we need to be aware that that was a problem in Jesus' day, and it's still a problem in our time today that someone can talk in a very eloquent manner, but still lead us down the wrong path. How how would we know? Yes, we have to look at the outcome of what they're teaching. Mm -hmm. Is it consistent with Christ? Are they actually doing the things that are going to sometimes be challenging and difficult? Or are they just saying this is the easy route? This is the broad route. This is the way that the majority are moving. Yeah, because on Judgment Day, there'll be some that will be saying, Lord, Lord. You know, and he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Some of these people who, who you know, they, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do many miracles? And whether they were literally doing miracles or not is besides the point. Jesus will say, all of that does not matter because I did not know you. And that's maybe the biggest fruit we have to make sure that we are bearing in our lives is this knowledge of the Lord and living this life in accordance with his, with his word. That's great. So Bill, as we start pulling this all together, what's the major personal application that Jesus leaves us with? Yeah, I think there's two in this chapter that really stands out to me. You said major, which implies one, but I'm going to give you two bonus one here. I think the first one is that it's more than just listening. So many people have read these words. This is the first major discourse in the gospel, gospel of Matthew. There'll be a few more. These are some of the most famous words in the scriptures. But if you do nothing with them, if this does not change your life tomorrow, if it doesn't change your life today, then you have not built your life on the rock that is Jesus Christ and that is his words and his teachings. But a second one is I think how you respond to this sermon, in fact, shows deep down inside who we are. In chapter 7 and in verse 6, he says, 
Do not give what is holy when he's talking about the whole judging and helping your brother. Do not give what is holy to dogs. and Do not throw your pearl before swine. This sermon is holiness. This, this sermon yes, is this is. huge pearl. And how we respond to it shows whether we're dogs, swine, or a child of God. Let me look at it a little more broadly. What are some more like communal applications we see in the text here? Well, I love this emphasis on making a personal commitment to build our life and to build our our home on this rock, but that should be affecting others around us, Mm -hmm. especially with the golden rule. I think that we live in a culture where people are so self-centered. They're so focused on their own schedule, their own agenda, that the golden rule actually provides us a golden opportunity. That if we could bring the helpfulness we've talked about, if we could bring the compassion, the respect, the kindness that Jesus is encapsulating in the golden rule, then we're going to stand out. You know, there are many world religions that try to touch on this general idea, but most of those phrase this concept in the negative. Just don't harm others, right? Don't do anything to them that you wouldn't want done to you. But Jesus is raising the bar. Jesus is actually telling us that his followers and his kingdom citizens are going to be active in treating others the way the Father has showed his grace and love towards us. This is a beautiful sermon. And you can just imagine, the text in fact tells you, after he's done preaching this sermon, the crowds are just amazed because he's teaching unlike anybody else. They're completely amazed because he has all authority. You know, a lot of people say a lot of things. There's been a lot of religions with a lot of people who have claimed authority, and it, it really falls short in comparison to Jesus of Nazareth because he has all authority. Like Matthew has already been showing us, he is the king, and, and hopefully in the coming weeks, we'll be able to see some things about him and see some things about what this king can do that give even more weight to all of the words he has said here. That's tremendous. And if we'll take those words seriously, then of course, we're going to be building our house on the rock. We hope you'll join us next week as we cover chapter eight and chapter nine. If you want to follow along with this reading plan, simply visit EmbryHills.com slash podcast.